You're listening to the weekly podcast of Launch Church of Jacksonville, Florida. We pray you enjoy today's message. that our character is good and that God chose us. That was his exact words. God chose us for this season. Pastors that are truly after his heart and truly for the people. And Lord, I thank you for him and his word. I think that every word that he's spoken, Lord God, over us comes to pass, over this ministry comes to pass. He even declared that every member in this ministry will be financially stable in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I thank you for Sammy, his wife and his kids. Lord, I pray a special blessing over his life. I don't even know his last name, but Father, you do. <laughs> you do, Father God, in Jesus' name. And I appreciate, Lord, you looking out for us in ways like this. When the hotel's doing what they're doing, you are sending people, divinely sending people, Lord God, to sow into this ministry. And we thank you for it. We honor you for it. And we love you in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Zoom in a little bit, Lauren. So we're not so blurry to the eyes. We want to be, we want to be clear. I look, doesn't it look a little blurry? No, maybe that's just it. That's just the way it looks. That's just the way it is. Yeah, that's good. My head looks shiny. I don't know what that is. I, I rebuke that. I don't want a shiny head. I rebuke it. In Jesus' name, <laughs> give me some powder. And Jesus, you know, it's big too. You can't have a big head and it's shiny. <laughs> I can pick on myself, huh? Amen. All right, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord God, we thank you for all those that are online, Lord God. I thank you for what you have been teaching us over these last three weeks, Father God. I thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy that follow us all the days of our life, Father. We declare that you are Alpha and Omega, first and last, the beginning and the end, author and finisher of our faith. And Father, we bless you. You kept us this week, Lord. It's, it's been a trying week this week, but you are working all things toward, together for our good. Before the week was over, you gave us praise reports. So, Father, we thank you. And if you're giving us praise reports, we thank you in advance, Lord, that you're giving everyone attached to this church praise reports too, in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that finances invade their homes right now. We rebuke the devourer away from their finances, Lord God, and we declare every bill is paid, praise God. The light bill, insurance bill, praise God, hallelujah. It is paid for the for your people, Lord God. The water bill is paid for your people, Lord God. The, the, the internet bill, Lord God, is paid. The cell phone bill paid. All their bills are paid, and they have more money to put in store. We declare and declare right now that the city of Jacksonville or wherever they're located, Miami, uh, Huntsville, praise God, I declare that that land gives up the finances that belongs to them in Jesus' name. I declare that the pressure of not having enough is removed from their shoulders right now in Jesus' name. I declare right now in Jesus' name, Lord God, that they live what you call in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the good life in Jesus' name, Lord. I declare that you are a God. God that provides you are Jehovah Jireh, and you are concerned about each and every one of these individuals here today. And I declare, Lord God, that you have heard their prayer requests. You have answered their prayer requests, and it manifests right here in the natural in Jesus' name. I declare the lands to give it up. Hallelujah. The blessing to come in from the north, the east, the south, and the west, Lord God. I declare that people come knocking them down and chasing them down to sow into their lives, to be a blessing to them in Jesus' 
Jesus' name. I declare right now in Jesus' name that the blessing will chase them and overtake them in Jesus' name. I decree and declare, Lord God, that your children are blessed, Lord God, that you are a king, you are a father that provides and takes care of your children. And I declare, Lord God, any problem, any situation that they may be going through right now, Lord, you are working it out for their good. In Jesus' name, we pray, believe, and declare. Now, Jesus, we honor you. We thank you, Jesus, for being who you are, the greatest big brother known to mankind. We give you praise. We give you honor as well. And we thank you for what you have done. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we say do what you need to do. Say what you need to say. Open up the mysteries unto us, and we will do what you tell us to do and apply it to our lives without debate in Jesus' name. Have your way, sir. Have your way, sir. In Jesus' name, we pray, believe, and declare amen and amen. Hallelujah. I got excited that quick. Amen. I'm already sweating. I don't know what's going on. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we have been talking about, praise God, uh, the united front. And we, we, uh, the week before, the first week we introduced what it means, God's or Jesus's prayer request to us was that we would be one. The only thing he asked of us as believers in his prayer in John chapter 17 and Matthew chapter 23, uh, he, he prayed that, Father, let them be one as me and you are one. Hallelujah. And so that the world could know that you sent me, God, and that I am the Messiah. Hallelujah. That is his only request. The only thing Jesus ever requested of us and all that he has done for us is that we be one with each other. Then we went on to talk about last week, we started talking about our motivational gifts and how important it is to know about our motivational gift. Did anybody go and take the motivational gift test? And if so, can y'all type in the comments who or what motivational gift you are? And did it help you understand yourself maybe your significant other or your husband, maybe even your kids a little bit better. Did it help you? Hallelujah. Audio isn't working. Oh, that's, that's, that's okay. Let's make sure. Can we hear now? Oh, that's when you were praying. Oh, the mic wasn't on. Okay. Praise God. All right. They can hear now. Hallelujah. Yes, everybody can hear now. All right, awesome, good. Want to make sure you can hear. So type in, are you a perceiver? Are you a server? Are you a compassion? Are you a giver? Are you a teacher? Are you an administrator? What are you? What is your, or exhorter? What is your motivational gift? Praise God. Did you take the test? If not, you all need to take the test. Go to Google and type in motivational gift test, and it'll pop up a link for you to take. .org, motivational gift test. Just go to Google and type in motivational gift test. And you can see exactly who you are. Haven't done it yet. All right, let's get on it because that's going to help you understand who you are, praise God, and how, how to deal with people. And it's also going to tie into today as well. And I told you on last week, we're going to talk about in order to be one, we have to truly understand what forgiveness is. We got to really embark on knowing what forgiveness is. So, Hallelujah. Let's let's look at this. Praise God. Let's look at forgiveness. Let me give you a couple of definitions and then we'll jump into the Bible and get some scriptures to kind of back it up. Amen. All right. So the first definition for forgiveness is it involves an intentional decision to let go of resent resentment and anger towards someone. It is not a process. It is a choice. 
Hallelujah. Turn on your microphone, praise God, so they can hear you say, come on. Amen. I don't have, I don't have Felisa here today to give me my amen. I need to hear my amen. I love those amens when they come crackling through the crowd, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So forgiveness is, or it involves an intentional choice or decision to let go of resentment and anger towards someone. Forgiveness is not a process. And I love that because a lot of times we say, oh, it's going to take time for me to forgive. And that's not taking time for me to forgive. What it is is taking time for you to get over your anger. That's not a process. Forgiveness is a choice. As soon as someone does something to you, you have a choice whether or not to forgive and let go or to hold on and not forgive. It's a choice. So this, this doctrine that has been preached for years that, oh, forgiveness is a choice, is an absolute, uh, is a, excuse me, is a, is a process, is an absolutely false doctrine. And we have to understand this because we have a lot of people walking around today, a lot of believers walking around today in unforgiveness, and then they wonder why God is not working in your life. And we're going to talk about this, and we're going to get into that. I don't want to get ahead. But let me give you now the Greek word for forgiveness. You want to read it? Oh, I didn't send you the notes. I'm so sorry. Did I not? Here we go. Not the definitions. Read that. You want to read it? Forgive to set free. Well, tell them the word. Alpha Hime. Go ahead. Uh, forgive. Alpha Hime. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it means to set free, to let go, to release, to discharge, or to deliberate, complete, to, to liberate, de deliberate, to liberate, sorry, to liberate, not to deliberate, to liberate completely. Read it one more time. To set free, to let go, to release, to discharge, or to liberate completely. To set free. So in other words, and we're going we're gonna to break this word down because there's so much in that one word. When we put this whole word together, uh, alpha hime, which is A-P-H-I-E-M-I, -E it means to set free. I'm, I'm setting free somebody that has done something to me. And instead of me holding on to it, I'm going to set it free. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to release, I'm going to discharge it. I'm going to liberate it completely. I'm going to be liberated from this, this hurt, from this disappointment completely. I'm setting it free. Now let's break down this word, alpha, alpha, hime, alpha, hime, alpha, hime. Let's break it down. It is actually, when you go, it goes all the way back to a Latin word, actually two Latin words. And the first one is ipo or apo, A-P-O. It's a prefix. Go ahead and read what that means. It's a prefix that speaks of separation, putting some distance between. So it's a prefix that speaks of separation or putting distance between. So now when we're when we're looking at the word alpha, we're, we're the prefix is saying whatever is going on, I'm going to now put distance between whatever is going on in myself. Okay, now the heme is another word, which means what? It means put in motion or sin conveys the basic idea of an action which causes separation. So now I'm putting in motion and I'm, I'm sending something now. I'm sending something away or sending something at, to a distance away from me. And that something is the offense. Now, when I put those two words together is when I form forgiveness. And when I put those words together, it actually means this. It means when, when you put these words together, it means to sin from oneself, to forsake, to hurl away, to put away, let alone disregard, put off. Let me say it one more time. 
It means to sin from oneself, to forsake, to hurl away, to put away, to let alone, to disregard, to put off. It conveys the idea of total detachment, total separation from, from a previous location or condition. When I put Alpo and Hamea together to form Alphamea, it is literally saying I am laying aside every single weight. I'm glad that phrase came up. Hallelujah. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. It means to lay aside every single weight. Hebrews chapter 12, praise God. Hallelujah. This is so good. So already getting true, true meaning of forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 12, you want to read verse one for us? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed with, compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us do what? Lay aside every weight. Let us do what? Lay aside every weight. Okay. And the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Boom. So now we have whoever the writer is, we believe it to be Paul. We have this person saying here, let us lay aside every single weight. So what they are doing now is they're saying, let us alpha, alpha heme. Let us alpha him. Let us lay aside every weight. And a lot of times when we read this verse, we automatically attach this as sin. Like this whole verse is talking about sin. But in actuality, now that we've broken this word down, we know this verse is actually talking about unforgiveness and sin. So let us lay aside every unforgiveness and let us lay aside every weight or every sin. Hallelujah. Now, there's three things here that I love about this verse that teaches us about unforgiveness and what unforgiveness is, okay? We see here, well, let me go over this. Unforgiveness, first and foremost, is to be stripped away from us, right? We must be, it must be stripped away from us. And it tells us this, when we say this, it is not easy when you have to strip something, but it can be done. It's not easy, but you can be done. So when you have somebody that does something against you, whether it's your wife, whether it's your husband, your daughter, your sister, your brother, your children, whatever it might be, unforgiveness, the choice is I'm going to put myself through a rigorous uh, uh, process of stripping, stripping away immediately. Because remember now, unforgiveness is not a process, it's a choice. And I have to now lay aside my ego, lay aside my attitude, and I have to strip myself of this. Hallelujah. Why do we know that? Because in the Bible, it says this, let us lay aside every weight and every, and every uh, 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 sin. And we read it in the Amplified, it says this, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance or unnecessary weight. Look how the Bible calls the unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is an unnecessary weight. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. 
Praise God. When you're just mad at people, it is a weight you are carrying around unnecessarily. It is something on your shoulders that is weighing you down, holding you back. Praise God. It is something on your shoulders that is causing your mental not to operate, your body not to operate the way it's intended to. Praise God. Your spiritual not to operate the way it's intended to. It is an unnecessary weight. I'm going to say it like this, the way God gave it, gave it to me the other day. And it's like a bird wanting to fly, but um, unforgiveness is the weight of having like rain or things that shouldn't be on a bird's uh, feathers, hold them back and not allow them to expand their wings so that they can fly and they can take off. Wow. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Number two, unforgiveness is equal and compared to sin. Why do we know that? Because it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. And it's not equal to just any kind of sin. It's equal to the sin that so easily besets us. Unforgiveness is equal to that sin that no matter how hard I try, some reason I find myself <laughs> falling right back into it. Whatever it might be, it's, it might be gluttony, it might be food. I can't stop eating this a certain type of food. I gotta have that. And, and for some reason, you, you make up in your mind, you know what, I'm going on a diet and then this bag of Doritos coming by you and you, and for me, it's popcorn. This, this box of popcorn come, I'm not eating no more popcorn and I find myself, boom, right in the popcorn. Not that I'm calling popcorn a sin, I'm just using that as an example. And it, it, whatever it is, they compare, the Bible compares unforgiveness to this sin that so easily besets you. So it's compared to sin, but then it's compared to a sin that easily besets you. It could be sex, praise God. It could be lying, praise God. It could be stealing. It could be uh, causing uh, slander it between the brotherhood. It could be a false balance, praise God. It could be not trusting God. It could be not having faith. It could be trusting your own abilities. It could be the lust of the flesh. It could be the pride of life, praise God, or the lust of the eye. It could be those things. And the Bible says, when you have this unnecessary weight and unforgiveness attached to you, it is compared to the ultimate sin that so easily besets you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now let's look at number three, the, number th the third thing that unforgiveness will stop you from doing. Unforgiveness can stop you from running the appointed race that God has ordained you to run. In other words, it will stop you from fulfilling purpose. Unforgiveness will stop you. Let's look back at the verse here. It says, let us lay aside every weight that, that um, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that God has set before us. Let me read it to you out of the Amplified because I love how it says it here. It says, let us throw, strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight in that sin that so readily, definitely, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that God has set before us. So there is an appointed course, and I love this, especially when we're talking about unity and being united in a united front as the body of Christ. There is an appointed course that God has set for you. There's an appointed course that God has set for me. 
There's an appointed course that God has set for Vonda. There's an appointed course that God has set for Cubion. There's an appointed course that God has set for Feliciana. There's an appointed course that God has set for Monet. There's an appointed course that God has set for, for, for who else is online? Praise God. For, for, for Duan, my brother, and Christopher, praise God. There's a, a, a appointed course that God has set for you guys. And with that appointed course, that means your course is your course and my course is my course. You can't run my course and I can't run your course. But what unforgiveness will have you do is think that, you know what, I can do Joshua's course and, and I can do Lawrence course and I can do Shay's course. I can do all these courses by myself. And what happens is the race never gets completed and we end up failing because we're not in our appointed course. And when we have unforgiveness, I know that's good, ain't it? Hallelujah. When we have unforgiveness in our heart, it literally stops us from focusing on the course that God gave us. And it makes us look at the course of somebody else because I don't want to talk to them no more because I don't want to speak with them no more because I don't want to deal with them no more. I start to do what God called them to do. I'm not anointed to do it. I don't have the patience to do it. I'm not skilled to do it. And by default, I turn my face on what God has called me to do. And I leave a position that God wanted me to, to fill unfulfilled and by default i don't finish what he called me to do hallelujah hallelujah that's what unforgiveness is so now i understand why god tells me to lay aside every single weight to alpha maya i understand why god is saying alpha maya to distance yourself from unforgiveness distance yourself from that hurt distance yourself from that bitterness and love the person despite what they have done to you. Love the person despite what they have done to you. Come on, and some of you all whose parents weren't there for you and there's still a little animosity in your heart, praise God, towards your parents. And God is sending us here today to tell you to let that go. Distance yourself from that because it is hindering you from completing what God has called you to complete, praise God. Hallelujah. And the longer you hold it, the heavier it gets, mm. it gets harder and harder. And that's how bitterness develops and festers into us is we hold on to things. We hold on to why we've been wronged. We hold on to someone did something to us. Don't you know, God knows that someone did something to us. Most yeah. sin is not no, people. People don't get away with it. So God is definitely going to look out for, for our best interest, but it's up to us because this forgiveness thing is not just about us doing it for, you know, um, just to do it, just to get it off our, our chest, but it's for us to do it with the right heart, with the right spirit, because it aligns with forgiveness aligns with the character of God. Amen. That's how God created us. He, when Jesus died, what did he say? Forgive them. Forgive them. He was he was still speaking forgiveness while he was on the cross. Amen. So how much more is it for us to forgive our brothers and our sisters Amen. so that we're not carrying this weight? Because bitterness is a terrible thing. It festers. It holds on to you. You end up holding on to it. And have you met someone that's that's bitter and it just makes them into someone that you can't even recognize? Yeah. It's like that whole that whole bitterness spirit takes completely over them. So God says, when we're, when we're upset, we need to deal with these things. We need to deal with it quickly. There's a reason why we have to deal with when we're wronged quickly so that it doesn't get into us. It doesn't stick on us. So we don't stick on it. Amen. That's so Click. good. Yeah. That's very good. Actually, we're actually, that actually leads us into what we're about to talk about next. But before we get into that, 
I want you to understand that people are like, well, how does under unforgiveness starts? It starts from missed expectations. And if you can understand this one principle, this one principle, praise God, it will help you with everyday life for the rest of your life. Stop putting expectations on people. The Bible says it like this, and there's a scripture in the Bible, I believe it's in Matthew, where it says Jesus loved the people, but he did not commit himself to the people, right? And if you could find that verse, because I want them to see it, just put Jesus loved the people, but did not commit, so I can give them that verse so they can read it and understand that I'm not lying to them. But what that means is, in today's term, that Jesus loved the people, but he never put an expectation on the people. Expectation is the biggest killer hallelujah, to relationships. Expectation is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. That's that verse. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, that it says Jesus loved the people, but he did not commit the people, commit himself to the people. Because expectation is the biggest killer in relationships. Now, am I saying you don't have, you're not supposed to have expectation? No, I am saying you have expectation, but you have to have your expectation in the right place which is God himself. The Bible only tells us to put our expectation in God. He says, only in God, in Jeremiah chapter 29, your expectation will not be cut off. But it did not say in man, your expectation will not be cut off, which tells us that if I put expectation in man, I am setting myself up now to have to forgive. <laughs> and the expectation that I put in man makes it harder for me to forgive because I'm expecting them to do what I would do, even though they weren't raised the way I was raised, even though they weren't taught the way I was taught, even though they didn't get the same things or have the same life traumas that I had growing up, I'm expecting them to respond the way I respond. And that is an unfair expectation to put on somebody. Even if you are a business owner and you have employees, you give them a description of their job, but you don't put expectation on them because expectation is committing yourself to a person. And when you commit yourself to a person, you are setting yourself up for possible failure. Exactly. We're not. Well, I mean, we're man. Exactly. And to answer the theologians that might watch this later, well, what, how am I supposed to do? What I'm supposed to do is put my expectation in God that he can deal with the person that's working with me. If I'm in a marriage, I don't put expectation on my wife. If I put expectation on my wife, she needs to cook and clean every day. She needs to have a, 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 a meal for me. There needs to be wifely duties done every other day. I am setting myself up for an argument because nobody can live up to your expectation. Hallelujah. That's a good place to say hallelujah. And the reason why husband and wife fight and bicker is because the husband has an expectation and the wife has an expectation. And because the wife is saying, you're supposed to love me like God loves the church. And she's worried about the husband duty. And the husband is worried about the wife's duty where you're supposed to submit and you're not submitting. You have these expectations that you put on man and man can never keep their expectation. God says in that same in Galatians chapter five, Looking unto him, looking unto him. There's a triangle. We submit to each other as we both submit to God. What does that mean? I'm submitting to the motivational gift in her. She's submitting to the motivational gift in me as we both are submitting to God, which means we're submitting our expectations to God. We're putting them on God so we won't find ourselves in a position where it's so hard to forgive.
and, and us carrying unnecessary weight. Hallelujah. That's good teaching. Hallelujah. Praise God. I encourage myself. I need Felisa. What's she at? Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to the part, part two of this definition of alpha male. Alpha male. Part two is this. It also means remit. R-E-M-I-T. R-E-M-I-T. Remit. This means to voluntarily release a person or thing over which one has legal or actual control. Hallelujah. Theologians believe, let me read that one more time, to voluntary release, uh, the voluntary release of a person or thing which one has legal or actual control. Let me stop. I hear you, Holy Spirit. Let me explain what this means. When you are remitting something, the, 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 that form of forgiveness, you are saying, I'm releasing somebody from something I have legal grounds to be mad about. <laughs> I, have, I have legal grounds and I have a right to be mad. Come on, they did you wrong. You know they did you wrong. Everybody agrees that they did you wrong. And you have a legal right to be upset. You have a legal right, a legal right, praise God, to hold this against them. I'll give you an example. Jesus did nothing. All he did was come preaching the kingdom. He didn't sin. He loved people. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He, he opened the eyes of the blind and they crucified him. He had a legal right to be upset and hold that against every single person that, that put him on that cross and lied on him and gave false testimonies against him. But instead, we have a picture, as Vonda just said, of Jesus saying, my father in heaven, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, Shabbat Shay. Hallelujah. When you understand forgiveness, even when you have a right to be mad, you choose to let it go. You choose to separate yourself from that offense to love the person back to where God has them to be. To see that person at their highest form and say, you just don't understand it right now, but I'm going to love you through this anyway, even though my feelings are hurt. Even though you brought tears to my eyes, even though you crushed my emotions, you crushed my feelings, you broke my heart, I'm going to choose to let you go, even though I have legal ground to be upset at you. Oh, oh hallelujah. Mm. And it's some of you all, and I know by the spirit of God, it is some of you all that are watching today that have legal ground, that have legal ground to be upset right now, to be upset at your mother, to be upset at your wife, she cheated on you, to be upset at your husband, he cheated on you, to be upset at your spouse because they promised you something that they didn't, they didn't provide for you. They said we were going to be the greatest. I was going to give you the world and they gave you a duplex. I was going to give you this and they gave you that. And you're struggling to make bills meet and you're struggling to make ends meet and you have a legal ground to be mad praise god with your parents they weren't there for you your father wasn't there for you your mother wasn't there for you and you're just disappointed in your heart you're disappointed in your mind and you feel like how can they say they love me and they now want to be back in my life and they've been gone for 20 some odd years how can you have the legal right to be upset but god says if you can learn how to remit an alpha male if you can learn how to forgive 
give, it opens up a total different form of blessing. How do you know that? Because when Jesus died, the Bible says when he came back, God took him and set him on the right side of the throne. Hallelujah. Because why? His ability to let stuff go, even though he had a right to hold on to it. And I'm saying today, when you let stuff go, even though you have a right to hold on to it, it causes God to take you from where you are and elevate you to the highest point he can elevate you because you have chosen that good part in him, which is to forgive, even though you have a legal right to be man. Oh, Oh, you ought to raise your hands right now and say, I will forgive. I will let it go. Hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Are obligated, actually. Yeah. Yeah. comes right before the fall so these are the things god is he's showing us in this how we need to behave but we get in our own way and our own thinking when we can't uh, it has nothing to do with our feelings this has everything to do with god's character mm -hmm. and what he's expecting us to be amen and if we don't look like him when we walk around and operate in unforgiveness yeah we don't look like him. so is he gonna say yeah that's my son that's my daughter he, but we don't we don't look like him any longer Mm. Amen. that's so good amen amen god uh, god says when you could do it like this he'll elevate you theologians believe that this form of forgiveness is the highest form of forgiveness when you have legal right to be upset and you choose to forgive hallelujah just imagine i, I just think about and i imagine marriages because we we we, are, we work with a marriage couple we travel the world with them praise god they're our mentor they'll be here on our grand opening praise god but it's just and you'll get a chance to meet them. But we travel and we get a chance to talk to married couples and, and we get they, they have us counsel some married couples throughout the week. They'll send them to us. And, and what I have found is when we find or we, when we really believe that we have a right to be mad, it really brings destruction between what God brought together. Just, and though you have a right to be mad, for example, matter of fact, ho hallelujah. Let me, let me just go here really quickly. Amen. Let me just, let me just find this and go here um, really quickly. <clears throat> Amen. I, I just feel the spirit of God leading me this way. Um, where Paul and Barnabas broke up, praise God. I hear you, ho Holy, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's in Acts. And I believe it's, praise God, Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Let's just go here. I know it's not in the script. Praise God. I didn't want to go here yet, but I hear Holy Spirit saying it very clearly uh, to do this. We all know, we all know that Barnabas, praise God, and Paul were set aside was set aside to by Holy Spirit to go and be missionaries, praise God, of 
missionaries of the gospel. Actually, let's go. Let me see. Is it verse 16? Well, let me give you the story. Let me give you the story. Uh, so we don't have to read because it's actually it's chapter 15 and 16. Go back and read it. I'll just give you the story. Well, what happened was Paul and Barnabas started their missionary trips. And or excuse me, the event. Let me give you the event. Paul and Barnabas started their missionary trips and they were traveling the world. And Barnabas met this guy named Mark. Praise God. He met this guy named Mark, this young kid that had a fire and a zeal for God and and said, hey, hey, Paul, let's bring Mark on this missionary trip. Paul was all for it. He said, cool. They came smack dab in the middle of the missionary trip. Mark decides this is not for him. Praise God. That's why when you talk about missions, you need to make sure God has called you there. He decides, you know, living on living with no roof over the head, sleeping outside, these mosquitoes, these bugs, bathing in these nasty rivers. This is not for me. I want to go home. So right smack dab in the middle of the missionary trip, Mark decides to leave Paul and Barnabas to do to go home and lead them on a missionary trip. Well, after that missionary trip was over, Paul and Barnabas came to another trip and Barnabas came back to Paul and said, hey, Paul, let's bring Mark. Mark wants to try this again. Let's bring him back on this missionary trip. And Paul said, absolutely not. Why? Paul was a perceiver. He had his chance. He came. He did what he wanted to do. And out of, out of nowhere, you know what? He left. So he's not coming back here to do it again. I'd rather somebody else feel that spot rather than Mark. Paul had an absolute right to be mad. He had an absolute right to walk in unforgiveness with Mark. Why? Because Mark left him in the middle of a mission trip and, and left him. And Mark played a very major role in that mission trip. If you go into church history and you study it out, he was like third in command and left Paul. And it left a whole bunch of discrepancies and a whole lot of stuff undone. So Paul had a right to say, uh-uh, no. Uh-uh, no. He's not coming. And Barnabas got in, got into it with Paul. And I just, for my imagination, just has a conversation going something like this, like, yo, Paul, Mark wants to come back on us. And Paul's like, oh, no, he ain't coming back. He left us last time. Why would I give him another opportunity? Wait a minute, Paul. It's not like you were perfect your entire life. You was out here killing us and killing Christians and all that and killing babies. And we let you back in. Matter of fact, it was me, the one that told the disciples that you were actually saved and set free. And Paul was like, why are we all in the past? Why are you got to go back to what I used to do. I used to do that. But one thing I don't do anymore is go through something, put my mind to it, and then turn away from doing it. That's not the topic. My past isn't the topic. My, the topic is we were smack dab in the middle of a mission trip and Mark got a mind to leave and he left. And that's what we're talking about. I get it. But don't you believe here's Barnabas. Don't you believe Paul in second chances? Don't you believe in second chances? Didn't God give you a second chance? Matter of fact, he gave you a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth. Barnabas, you're changing the narrative. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that Paul left. Well, if Paul don't come, excuse me, if Mark don't come, uh, Paul, I'm not coming either. Barnabas, do what you got to do. If you don't want to come and you don't want to do what God has told us to do because of some other person, that's on you. Well, Paul, I think you've been a little arrogant and legalistic. Well, Barnabas, I think you've been a little soft. I have a right to be mad. And the Bible says, that the contention between them grew so great that they broke apart and went their separate, way, their separate ways. The Bible also says when Paul signed up with Silas, he started now to experience 
uh, whippings, being thrown in jail, getting stoned by rocks, shipwrecks, and all this other stuff. Why? Because something God broke, uh, bought together, men came in between it, unforgiveness came in between it and broke it apart. I only can imagine that if Paul and Barnabas would have, Paul would rather would have let go of that unforgiveness, which he did because the Bible comes back in Galatians and says, Paul reaches out to Mark and tell, he says, tell Mark, I love him and I forgive him. I, I don't have all these scriptures. I'll have them next week for you. So you can, so you can go and look at them yourself. He said, tell Mark before he died. This is what Paul said. Tell Mark, I love him and I forgive him. So Paul finally let it go. But I only can imagine if Paul would have let it go right then and there, what him and Barnabas, what God brought together would have accomplished in a day. Now, Paul went on to write two thirds of the New Testament, two thirds of the New Testament. That's amazing. And I can only think that how much more he could have done if he would have stayed connected to the person God connected him to. How much more in your life if you could stay connected to the person God told you to marry, hallelujah, and not let unforgiveness, unnecessary weight come between you guys and pull you apart. How much more could you have accomplished if you can get forgive your mother or forgive your father and start to walk back and rebuild that relationship? How much further could you accomplish and how much more could you accomplish the further you can go if you can get back with that friend that said, hey, I would be there and they let you down and you can forgive them and move past that. How much more could you accomplish if you learn how to set aside and say, you know what, despite the fact that I have a legal right to be upset right now, I'm going to forgive them because I don't want to come between what God has put together. Because when God puts it together, it is blessed. When God puts it together, it's anointed. And though I can still be prosperous, if I leave by myself, I might experience things that I would not have had to experience if I just would have stayed connected to the person God put me in connection with. Oh, hallelujah. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. Hallelujah. I can't even hear y'all say amen. So I don't know if you're saying amen or not, but I just feel like you saying amen. Hallelujah. Oh, that's good. I go to dancing when the word get good. Hallelujah. All right. Let's keep going. Did you have something you want to add? I was just thinking of every opportunity that we have to exercise forgiveness and we don't, we're getting in the way of what God is doing. Amen. So we're actually preventing what God wants to go forward. And God doesn't like when we get in the way of stuff. And Amen. that's that's just that's such a weight. It is. That's such a weight to know that I have an opportunity to do what God is asking me to do. But I choose to get in the way of the work that he's trying to do. He sent a whole son to die on my behalf and others. But I'm in the way of that mm -hmm. because I can't get past my feelings. Mm. I guarantee you there is somebody else who has gone through something worse than what I've gone through and what you've gone through. And they've had to forgive. So That's true. something to think about. So true. That's something to think about. Amen. It is. Hallelujah. Well, now let, let's talk about why it's so hard to forgive. Let's talk about it because sometimes we'll tell you, you need to forgive. You need to forgive. And then we don't want to talk about why it's so hard to forgive. Listen to this. This is a physical doctor. A psychologist says this from Michigan State says this. We believe that at the core of unforgiveness is retaliation. Your ability to forgive is linked to how badly you want to retaliate. Hallelujah. <laughs> to be vengeful. Yeah. Yeah. Let's look at it. Let's go to Romans, Romans chapter 12. 
resentment go ahead finish finish your saying resentment yeah i'm just thinking about the words that go with that i'm hearing when you're speaking is yeah the things that we hold on to that's an issue amen i want you to notice that this particular verse romans 12 verse 19 is in the same chapter that we find our motivational gifts i wonder why paul put it in this chapter can you hand me those please thank you so much the camera girl is doing so much she's bringing me towels and she's camera girling and she's responding to stuff. She camera girling, yeah, she camera girling. Thank you. Let me get one of those so I can wipe this, this sweat off of me or pat it. They say pat, don't wipe. Let me, let me pat. Amen. So I want you to keep in mind that what we're about to read is in the same chapter that we found our motivational gifts. And there's a reason why this is in the same chapter that we find our motivational gifts, because God is trying to keep us in unity with one another. What does it say in Romans chapter 12, verse 19? You're not there. I'll go ahead and read it. It says this. It says, dearly beloved, talking to you, avenge not yourselves. Let me read that one more time. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, it is written for those who need that. It is written scripture. That's Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, where you can see where God actually said it himself. But Paul is paraphrasing what, what God told Moses. My brothers and sisters, and, and, and let's take this in the time where if we look at it in the time where Moses was. He, was. he had a bunch of people. Some theologians believe anywhere from 800,000 to 2 million people he, were, he was leading through a desert. And they had attitude issues. We know that because every time something was wrong, they said, wood to God, wood to God, wood to God. And what, what God was saying to the children of Israel is stop avenging yourself among each other because vengeance is mine, I will repay. And it's a, it's a reason why in the same chapter where Paul talks about your motivational gifts, he also comes right below that, the scripture below and says, stop avenging yourselves among each other. <laughs> why? Because... That stops us from being unified together. Trust that if somebody does, does you wrong, God will repay. Hallelujah. And the reason why Paul says that is because of this. We are not looking to be vengeful. We are looking to retaliate. And there's a difference between the two. Let's look at three reasons why we should allow God to handle our situation. Three reasons why we should allow God to handle our situation. Number one, as humans, we find it difficult to separate vengeance and anger. As humans, we find it difficult to separate vengeance and anger. If truth be told, we don't seek vengeance, we seek revenge. <laughs> yeah. That used to be me, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> We don't seek vengeance. We seek revenge and we seek suffering. We don't want, we want, excuse me, people to suffer because suffering satisfies our anger. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. That's right. I remember, I remember when, when me and Vonda first got married, praise God, she would do something that would literally get on my nerve. And, and I, I, I wasn't vengeance. 
I was revenge. So I would wait for her to go prepare a lovely meal on the, on the kitchen stove. And then I would leave. As soon as she said dinner was ready, I would leave and go get McDonald's and come back and eat. Like to say, I'm not eating your food. <laughs> <laughs> that's not vengeance. That's revenge. That's making someone suffer for what they did. <laughs> and I wonder how many people out there today that you are making suffer <laughs> <laughs> you think you're making them suffer living their best life. and they live in their best life but you have this mindset that every time you see them you're going to find some sort of way to make them suffer <laughs> yeah you might be like me i did it i used to be like that and i was revengeful instead of vengeance allowing god to handle it. so the number one reason is we as humans I find it hard to separate vengeance from anger. This is especially big in marriages. This is huge in marriages. I can also say probably second place is our jobs. When you get that one person that is aggravating you, that has gotten on your last nerve, they have tiptoed on every single nerve that is in your body. And now they are on your last nerve and you are finding ways to get them fired. Come on. Come on, I'm preaching real good. You're finding ways to get them fired. You're finding ways to get them in trouble with the, the boss. You're setting them up. That is not godly, praise God. That is what you call revenge. God says, I'm not a God of revenge. I'm a God of vengeance, praise God. Number two, God's vengeance, God's vengeance is not reckless. It is, it is often redemptive. That's why it is important to let God handle it because our vengeance turns into revenge and it becomes reckless. Come on now. You start pulling, you start pulling your kids to, to, to pick sides. Are you on mommy's side or are you on daddy's side? That is reckless. Praise God. Hallelujah. You start uh, finding clicks inside of your business or your workplace. Watch this. Finding clicks right in the church. In the church, you got clicks. We're not talking to this person. I'm not talking to that person. Oh, we don't handle that group. That group of ladies is that group of ladies. And this group of ladies, this group, this man, no, he can't come on the fishing trip. I don't like him. You start finding clicks. That's not God. That is reckless. Because you're not concerned about your brother. Now, remember now, when we first started this, we the first thing we talked about was agape love. And we talked about real agape is seeing someone at their highest form, even when they're not there. So when I'm dealing with somebody, I'm dealing with them at their highest form that God could ever create them, even when they're at the lowest. Hallelujah. I'm not sitting here becoming reckless, doing things to purposely humiliate or ostracize them from a group. Oh, hallelujah. I'm preaching real good. Hallelujah. That's something I see you thinking. Okay, amen. When God does this, when he says vengeance is mine, his vengeance comes from a place of redemptiveness. God desires to lead people to repentance. God's vengeance is coupled with mercies, with mercy, and ours is not. Ours is coupled with pain. Come on. <laughs> Say that again. God's mercy or God's vengeance is coupled with mercy. Ours is not. Our revenge is coupled with pain. Think about that. Say lie. Take time and think about that. God says, I'm going to take care of them. I got your back. I will repay, but I'm going to do it in a way to where they come back and they say, I'm sorry, or they find themselves repenting, saying, God, I was wrong. 
Hallelujah. I just had an event like that just happened to me, praise God. In my own life, we were we were helping a ministry out, and the ministry just did us absolutely nasty. They just did us wrong. They just, I mean, I, when I tell you, we poured in and poured in. We trained their staff. We we set up programs. We set up their children department. We wrote uh, commercials. We did everything for them, everything you can imagine. We did it, and out of nowhere, when time came for us to leave, they just they just got nasty. Now. My baseline personality, or not personality, my baseline taught character trait is to go get revenge. How dare you? And I know y'all, let's be real. I know you've been in those situations where you've been like, oh, how, after all I've done for you, after all I've done for you, you're going to do me like this? Well, number one, if that's something that comes out of your mouth, you didn't do it unto God, you did it unto man. And I had to learn that myself. I did it unto man, praise God. And that's why I had to respond as after all I've done for you. But number two, I realized that I wanted to go get back. And like everything we set up, I wanted to now go take it down. And that would have been hurtful and painful because they were in a they were in a ministry setting. And despite how I felt or despite how they treated me, the souls that were attached to that ministry, I was now going to I had the mindset to now go jeopardize those souls that were attached to that ministry. And that would have been absolutely wrong. That would have been suffering to people who had nothing to do with the situation. And that would have caused pain to a lot of people who had nothing to do with the situation. Instead, I allowed God to work in this. And it took a lot of Vonda saying no. It took a lot of other people saying, Josh, calm down. You know what I'm saying? And I allowed God to work on this. Well, a couple months back, I happened to revisit and it was a, a guest speaker there. And the guest speaker called me up and, and made some proclamations in front of the entire congregation that this person here is the reason why your ministry is successful and to apologize to him. So something where I was seeking out my own revenge, but I allow God to handle the situation. God now took vengeance and he brought them to a, re a redemptive spot to where they had to apologize and say, God, forgive me for mishandling this family that you put in our midst. It was so much better. Now, when it was happening on my face, in the inside, my face on the inside, I was like, yeah, get him, God, get him, God, get him, God, get him, God. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's about time. But what, what I, on, on the outside, I was like this, oh, hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord, praise. I was like, oh, bye-bye. But what I, I say all of that to say this, when you allow God to do it, God doesn't cause you to lose somebody forever. Instead, he causes you to gain somebody forever. Now that pastor and his wife and that church loves us. Well, they want to know every time, when's the next time we're coming back? When can we come speak? When can we come be a part of what's going on? We gained an entire family now for life. If I needed something, I could call them and say, hey, I needed this, and they would do it. Why? Because God, we allowed God to handle that, and God extracted vision, uh, vengeance upon them, which led them to repentance and caused me to gain or caused us to gain brothers and sisters in Christ for life. Hallelujah. And I decree, and I and I see right now with my prophetic eyes that there are relationships that have been that have been destroyed because we mishandled the get back. We wanted to get them back so badly, and we got them back. 
And now people that were attached to our life, how Paul and Barnabas was supposed to be attached, are no longer attached because we mishandled. Today, I encourage you, praise God, to go back and find your, rebuild that bridge. And I know it's hard and I know you don't want to. You say, oh, that's a process. No, it's not. It's a choice. Hallelujah. It's a choice. And you have to lay down your female ego in your male ego and go back and rebuild the bridge that you put gasoline on, that you lit the, the cigar and threw the fire into the gas and blew up that whole bridge. No, go to Home Depot Get the material and rebuild that bridge because that friendship that you destroyed, God had something other in mind. You know who I'm talking about in your life. You know what friendships you have destroyed in your life that you need to reconcile because you say, if this person was just in my life, and even when you hit hard times, you're like, man, I wish I could call this person. You need to go restore that bridge and rebuild that bridge in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. You want to give them number three? The third reason why we should let God handle it. It says God's vengeance does not come from the seat of revenge, but a seat of justice. God seeks justice, not just to not just to to get, to get back at people. Sorry. That's OK. Not just to get back at people. So the, the, the third reason is God sits on a seat of justice. He is not here just to get back at people. That's why we should let him handle it. The verse says here again in verse 19 that I want that I would love to bring out in, in Romans chapter 12. I will repay. God will repay. Now, we often when we look at that verse, we think about from the negative, the negative standpoint that God is going to repay those that did wrong to me. But it's also a positive standpoint as well that God is going to repay you for what you lost. Amen. Amen. He's Amen. a just God. Amen. So he's not just going to take care of one side and not take care of the other side. So if something happened and it caused you to lose something, God says, I will repay. I will repay. I'm going to repay them back to lead that person who did you wrong back to a state of repentance to ask for forgiveness. But also everything that you lost out on, praise God, you ought to raise your hand and accept that. Everything that you lost out on, every ounce of finances you might have lost out on, every, the business deal you might have left out on, God says he will repay and give that back to you. Why? Because he is just, he is just. And he is not just going to take care of one side, without taking care of the other. Oh. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We lift our hands right now, Lord God, all over Jacksonville and all over Alabama and Miami and Texas, praise God, and Georgia, hallelujah. We lift our hands, Lord God, thanking you that you will repay everything that we've lost, Lord God. We now take revenge and lay it to the side and we put it back into your hands, Lord God. And we decree and declare that you will extract visions, Lord God. You will take the vengeance upon these situations and you will repay us in Jesus name because why you are a just God in Jesus name hallelujah amen glory to God glory to God hallelujah where are we at praise God man 1208 oh my goodness oh all right let me uh oh no oh, oh, oh. shabashay mm. goodness gracious I don't want to rush this uh but let's go to Psalms 103 let's go to Psalms 103 and we'll end here. We'll just pick up on this next week because there's a, a lot more to cover. Amen. Let's let's go to Psalms chapter 103. Hallelujah. We'll bring this out and then we'll end it here. I hope you guys are getting something out of this. Praise God. And you are applying it to your life in Jesus name. God is good.
Psalms 103, we're going to look at verse 1. You want to go ahead and read that for us? It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm sorry. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Forget what? Not his benefits. Forget not his benefits. Right. What's the first benefit that we have through God? Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Stop right there. Mm. Look at the first benefit. God says, or David uses God to say this, bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not his benefits. And the very first benefit that David mentions is forgiveness. Look at that. He didn't mention that God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He didn't mention that God will protect him. He didn't mention that God has his hedge of protection around him. He didn't mention that God has given him angel, his angels charge over us to protect us. He didn't mention that God will make sure we eat. He didn't mention none of that, all the good stuff that normally comes along with God. The first thing he mentioned to God as a benefit is that he forgives all of my iniquities. That word iniquities, let me break it down for you because a lot of, we hear iniquity is such a big word. We don't know what it means, but let me make it very simple for you. Iniquities means character flaws. God forgives my character flaws. Hallelujah. I know what some of my character flaws are. I know I was quick to anger, quick to revenge, quick for that get back, but God forgives me of those character flaws that I have. What are your character flaws? Maybe it's you go to the refrigerator. Maybe it's you don't drink enough water. Whatever it is, God is quick to forgive your character flaws, and it is a benefit of serving him. Now, let's look at verse 12 as well, and I'll read this one. In the same chapter, it says this, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. That word transgressions is sin. So now we have God doing two things. He's forgiving our iniquities or our character flaws, and he's forgiving our sins. And it's in the same chapter, so it is a benefit for serving him. Bless the Lord and forget not his benefits. He, serve, he forgives our iniquities, and he forgives when we sin. Hallelujah. Like you said, well, Joshua, why do you bring this up? Number one, I want to let you see how your God also holds himself to the same standard he holds us to, right? He says, not only does he forgive you, he says, as far as the east is from the west, there's that distance. If you remember Alpha Hamea, it says we create distance between the, 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 the hurt and the pain and ourselves. So God says, I'll separate this sin from you, create a distance from you as far as from the east is from the west. Well, what is that? We know that that distance is immeasurable. We know that you can't measure that distance. The east and the west never touch. And he says, I have removed that sin, those transgressions, and I have removed that iniquity or those character flaws from you as far as the east is from the west. So when I look at you, I don't see your character flaws and I don't see your sins. All I see is my child or my servant or when you do what he says to do, all I see is my friend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. That is so good. Hallelujah. Now I bring that up because we are made in his likeness. We are made in his image. And the Bible says, 
God can do this. And if we are in a direct replica of him, Amen. it means we can do it also. Amen. Hallelujah. So all this, oh, I can't forgive and all this, oh, I can't do that. And all is this too hard? Is that? No, you can do it. You are choosing not to do it. Hallelujah. I know it's tough. I know it's tight, but I know it's right. And we have got to get out of this mindset where we choose not to forgive and we choose to forgive. Why? Because if God holds himself to that standard, we can hold ourselves to that standard as well. He expects us to hold ourselves to that standard. Now, I wanted to bring that out, that, 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 that person out. Actually, let me bring this out really quick. Let's go to Isaiah 38, Isaiah 38. Sorry, I said we would end there a lot. Let's go to Isaiah 38, and we'll end here for sure, because we're going to attack that other part uh, next week about I can forgive you, but I don't, I don't have to forget. We're going to attack that next week. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, it's good. Oh, this is so good to me. All right, Isaiah 38, and let's look at verse 17. Look at what Isaiah said. Verse 17, praise God. Isaiah says, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast a love to my soul, delivered it from the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Oh, hallelujah. Look at Isaiah. Isaiah said, behold, for peace, I had great bitterness. In other words, he is saying, I had made up in my mind that for, for peace sake, with my mind, I was just going to be bitter at God. He said, just for me to have peace, instead of me worrying about it, does God love me and all this? And you know how we do those things as human. God, are you even thinking about me? What do you, you know, God, do you even, are you concerned about me? Are you worrying about what I'm going through? Isaiah, before he became Isaiah, he said, for peace sake, I'm just going to be bitter at God. I just made up my mind. I ain't worried about God. I ain't thinking about God. I'm not going to be, you know, the, my mind always going back and forth in regards to God. I don't know about you, but I can, I can see Isaiah and I can kind of see where he's coming from in that because God, I'm expecting this and it doesn't happen. I'm believing for this and it didn't happen. I go hard after this and then you stop me. I do this and it doesn't work out. I start this new business and it fails. I start this new endeavor and it fails. And Isaiah said, I'm sick of all of that. So for peace sake, it says, instead of me going back and forth with this, God, why, God, why, God, why, God, when, God, when, for peace sake, I'm just going to be bitter at you, God, and leave it there. <laughs> now, I know y'all say that Isaiah, because you heard nothing but great stuff about Isaiah. But look at what Isaiah says. He said, I tried to do that, but thou hast in love to my soul. Let me read out the Amplified so you can really get a picture of this. He says, but you have loved back my life from the pit of corruption in nothingness. Look at what he says. He says, though I decided for peace sake just to be mad at God and to be bitter with God, he said, God, you loved me back my soul from the pit of hell or corruption in nothingness. For you have cast all of my sins behind your back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, people who are online watching. God has cast all of his, all of your sins behind his back. And let me tell you, God is not a God that looks back. When he cast it behind his back, he stayed there. And even though Isaiah made up his mind that I'm just going to be bitter at God, I'm just going to, for my mind's sake, I'm just not going to believe in God. I'm just going to be mad at him. God said, Isaiah said, it was his love that loved or brought Isaiah back, praise God. And I'm saying the same thing to you today. It is the love that's going to bring that person back 
to you and cause them to say, I'm sorry. It's the love that you show towards them to forgive them and to remove that unnecessary weight, to lay aside that unnecessary weight that's going to draw that person back to you and say, can you please forgive me? And when they come back, it is your job to take what they did and throw it behind their back, behind your back. Hallelujah. Never to look back again in Jesus name. Hallelujah. If Isaiah can do it, do it with God and God can do it for Isaiah. You can do it with me and I can do it with, with you. We are praise God, brothers and sisters in Christ. And in order for us to be one, to be heist, we must be able to operate together. And the only way to operate together is when we are fully walking in forgiveness. Now, the one thing that I love about this last passage is that God said he threw it behind his back or he separated it as far as east is from the west. And what that does, if you study those, study those phrases out in its entirety, what it means is God says, I no longer give myself the privilege of bringing up what you did when you do something else wrong again. I dropped the mic on that one. Oh my gosh, I dropped the mic on that one. God says, I no longer have the privilege of bringing up what you did when you do something else wrong. So look at that. He's, he expects you to do something else wrong, but because he separated your sin and your, and your iniquity from you as far as the East is from the West, because he threw your foolishness behind his back, he says, I no longer have the privilege. Hallelujah. I no longer have the privilege to bring up what something you did. Praise God. For example, we made a prayer in 1996. God, if you get me out of this situation, I promise you I'll do this. I promise you I'll do that. And God got you out of that situation in 1996 and you didn't do what you were promised. Praise God. Well, in 2006, you find yourself in another situation and, and you say, God, I promise you, if you get me out of this, I'll do that. And I do that. God didn't say, no, you said that to me in 1996. He said, no, because I separated you from that sin and I cast that behind my back, praise God. And in one scripture, it says, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. God says, I am now no longer privileged to bring up what you did in 1996 into 2006 because you're praying the same prayer. He said, instead, I'm going to look at it like you never prayed that prayer before and treat it as if you never prayed it before. Oh, we serve a great God. Yes, Hallelujah. We do. We serve a great God. Again, why are you telling me this? Because if God can do it and we are a direct replica of who he is, that means we can do it too. Hallelujah. When someone does me wrong, I literally have the ability, the ability on the inside of me to take what they did, separate it from them as far as the east is from the west, and throw it behind my back. And once I do that, I am no longer privileged to go back in the past when something else happens and bring up the past. Hallelujah. I wish married couples would understand this. I wish friends and family would understand this because when you get into that, well, you said that once before, you truly haven't forgiven. Hallelujah. You truly haven't remitted. You truly haven't Alpha Hamea. You truly have not done that because when you have, you are no longer privileged to go back into the past and, and dig it back up to bring it back into the present day. 
Hallelujah. True forgiveness is, it's behind my back. It is as far as from you as the, sea, as the east is from the west, and it is thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, never for me to bring it up again or use it as an arsenal or, or ammunition against you again in Jesus' name. That is true forgiveness. And when I operate like that, when we operate like that, there is nothing that can pull us apart as the body of Christ. And the world has to say, Jesus is the son of God because only, only people who stay together like that can be a true representation that God is real and Jesus is real. And right now the church has got to get back to this. And it starts right in the house. It starts with the family. Husbands and wives, you got to learn how to forgive. You got to learn how to let stuff go. You got to learn how to put distance in between yourself. Mothers and daughters, you got to learn how to let stuff go. Yes, your mom wasn't what she was cracked up to be. And yes, and yes, your, your daughter wasn't all that you thought she would be. But you got to let it go. And you got to love them past their foolishness. You got to love them past whatever went wrong. And, and you got to throw that stuff behind your back and leave it in the past so we don't, we don't split apart as the body of Christ. And again, it starts right in the home. Amen. If the home is split apart, the church is split apart. The church is nothing but a representation of the home. And if the home can't get it together, the church will never get together. Because what happens is you'll take that foolishness that's happening in the home and bring it into the church and you'll do it with your brothers and sisters. If you'll do it to your husband, you'll do it to your friend. If you'll do it to your wife, you'll do it to your brother. If you'll do it to your sister, you'll do it to your mother. And if you do it to your father, you'll do it to your boss. You'll do it. But you have to get in a mindset that I'm walking in forgiveness, not for my sake, because I want the world to know that Jesus is the Messiah and that God sent him. If that is my baseline foundation, then it becomes easy now for me to forgive, easy for me to throw what that person did behind my back and leave it there, not to redig it up or to dig it back up and not to bring it up and use it as arsenal or ammunition against the person. It becomes easier because my motivation in my mindset is I want the world to know that Jesus is the Messiah and God sent him. And the only way the world can know that is if me and my brother, me and my sister are one, are heist in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands where you're at. Just lift your hands where you're at and say, Lord, I thank you that you are installing in me the spirit of forgiveness. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord God, that it is easy for me to forgive. Just say it right there. Well, yeah, it's easy for me to forgive. Hallelujah. It's easy for me to walk in forgiveness. It is easy in Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Lord, right now. Hallelujah. It's easy for me to forgive my brother. It's easy for me to forgive my sister. It's easy for me to forgive my wife, my significant other, my husband. It's easy for me to forgive my boss. It's easy for, for me to forgive my child. It's easy for me to forgive my parents. It's easy, Lord God, for me to even forgive you, Father, for all the letdowns that I thought I was supposed to have and realize you didn't let me have those, praise God, because it wasn't, the, it wasn't best for me at that time. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, I forgive. I forgive. I forgive in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And amen. amen. Hallelujah. What a great word today. Praise God. Oh, super excited. Hallelujah. To be here with you guys to go over this. We're going to pick back up on this next week. Amen. We're going to get into that and into 
I can forgive, but I don't need to forget. We're going to uh, uh, attack that, that, that worldly terminology and worldly uh, thinking. And we're going to give you what the scripture says about it in Jesus name. Hallelujah. I hope you got something out of this today. I pray that this week you will practice forgiveness. When somebody makes you mad, you'll take a, a, a stop for a second and say, I am, a, I am an expert at forgiveness and forgive that person, even though it's hard in Jesus name. Hallelujah. For those who are giving today, praise God. Well, everybody's online. Amen. <laughs> you can give today. If you go online and just text uh, the word launch, praise God to uh, 1-888-364-GIVE. 1-888-364-GIVE. You take the text the word launch there. It'll send you to uh, the, the giving page. Or if you want to, you can go ahead and download the app. Praise God at Launch Church Jacks. And you can give right on the app. Praise God. Amen. Please don't forget. Hallelujah. As you prepare that, please don't forget that on July July 23rd, we are having a baptism. Uh, we're going to be doing a class on Wednesday, July 19th. So uh, if, if you are interested in being a part of that class or you're interested in being baptized, please let us know. You can let us know either by sending us a text on Facebook or a personal phone number, or you can go right on the app and you can apply for, uh, say, I want to be baptized right on the resources on the app, praise God. And it'll send us to us. It will get you in the class on on Wednesday, the 19th, that class will be at 7 p.m. Praise God. It, it will be no more than about a 30 minute class. Praise God. Probably be in the same setting just like this. We'll do it on Zoom. Get you in that class. Praise God. And then we're going to go out on the 23rd. Uh, we'll give you instructions on what you need to wear for the ladies. Amen. Uh, but we're going to go out to the beach on 20 on July 23rd and we're going to get baptized right there at the beach. Amen. And we're going to celebrate the victory with you as you identify with Christ in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, is there anything else that we need to announce? Those, those aren't things. Okay, cool. Awesome. For those who are given, go ahead, hold it up. Praise God. If you, if you, if you uh, did it through your phone, just hold your phone up in Jesus name. Father, we thank you for those who are giving Lord God online today. Lord God, we decree and declare father God that Luke 638 blessing upon their lives. Lord God, we thank you that, that you will give unto them, press down, shaking together and running over. You will have men, excuse me, give unto their bosom 30, 60, 100 fold in Jesus name. Father, we thank you for a return on their investment, Lord. And we decree and declare that launch church, Lord God, is good ground. And it will be here for the people, a church, as we have always declared, a church for the people and, 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 and of the people in Jesus name. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We thank you for this week. We thank you, Lord God, for protection in and throughout this week. We declare in advance that this week is a blessed week in Jesus' name. Lord God, I declare that you will show each and every person under the sound of my voice, Lord God, something this week that let them know you're thinking about them. Hallelujah, Lord God. Whatever it is, just let them know you got them on their mind, on your mind in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. We honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We will see you guys next week back at the hotel. Praise God. We will be there in full effect. And I'm super excited to be there to see you guys. I, this is different. It's nice, but it's different. I, I miss seeing the faces. Amen. But well, we love you. <laughs> I'm a face person. You got some faces on there? Let me see some faces. Oh, like, okay. I got a camera. Well, praise the Lord. We love you guys. And we'll see you next week. Be blessed. Have an awesome, awesome Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. 
God bless and have an amazing week.